This is the Aesthetic Ecosystems Podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your virtual design guide to help you and your family have a healthy, beautiful landscape with less work. What's up and welcome to episode 11 of the Aesthetic Ecosystems Podcast. Today is all about how to have good soil in your yard. We've talked a lot about um, in the past episodes how important soil is, and I've kind of touched on it, but I've never really gone in depth. And so this episode is just going to be about soil. That's right, the dirt under your feet and the life that lives in it, and how important that is for your yard, your gardens, your plants in your yard, uh, your lawn. Uh Good soil is crucial to good health in plants. And so today, that's what we're going to be getting into. Um, and man, I love this stuff. I, you know, I, I definitely sound like a nerd right now, but the more I learn about soil, the more fascinated I am. And it's crazy how little we know about soil, especially when it comes to soil life and how that correlates to, to soil health and plant health. And we're just on the cusp of learning tons of stuff uh, in this area and it's incredibly fascinating. So what I'm going to do today is, is try not to get too nerdy about stuff, try not to get too excited. And uh, instead I'm going to try to distill down the, the key elements of what makes good soil health from a physical standpoint, a chemical standpoint, and from a biological standpoint and what that means for your yard, what it means for your plants and, and your, your landscape, your lawn, and, and how that correlates to low maintenance. This stuff all ties together very closely. So when you have good soil health, you most likely have healthy plants and that correlates to less work for you to maintain these plants because you have happier plants. So that's how this all ties together. And with that, let's get into it today. And I'm going to give you a quick sound bite here. If, if you needed to switch off this episode right now, uh, listen to this first and then turn it off and go about your day and you've learned everything you need to know about soil. Of course, um, I'd love you for you to stay around. I'm, I'm being a little tongue in cheek here, but, but good soil comes down to this, these simple principles. It, good soil requires good organic matter to support microbial life to have good moisture levels and good air distribution. That's it, guys. If you get all of these things right, you're going to have good, healthy soil. I, I guarantee it. And so if you already know how to do this stuff, you can turn off the episode right now and, and don't listen to anything else. So this is the part where, you know, drop the mic, walk off the stage. That's it. End of presentation, right? So... So with that, you know, if, if you guys know what you're talking about already when it comes to maintaining good organic matter, supporting microbial life, uh, good moisture and air, that's basically what I'm talking about today um, as far as good soil. Now, of course, I'm sure you want to learn way more about this, uh, and I'm not going to teach you enough, you know, as much as you want to nerd out on this as well. But I'm going to distill down through the rest of this episode what the physical makeup of soil is and why it's important, what the biological makeup of healthy soil is, and then how to create this condition, how to create good healthy soil. So that's the rest of the episode basically in a, in a nutshell. So let's get right into it. Uh, so what is soil? Soil is the, when we get to the physical standpoint, the dirt, right? When you hear a lot of agricultural people uh, in conventional agriculture talk about their soil, usually what they're referring to is the dirt, uh, the the physical makeup of their soil and, and how it relates to their plants. That's kind of the conventional approach to soil is is really the the non-life part of it. And, and that's only one element, but it's also a very important element. And that's the part that's been focused on in the past, say, uh, 100 years um, when it relates to uh, to supporting plant life. And, and we do know that certain chemicals, you know, chemical levels are very important. That's why we have uh, NPK fertilizers, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium fertilizers. Those are three primary nutrients out of many, many nutrients that plants need. Um, you know, depending upon who you talk to, uh, certain you know, places they, they, you know, you have the MPK fertilizer. That's all you need, according to some people, right? Well, other people, there's the other end of the spectrum where now it's thought that there's up to maybe 50 plus uh, micronutrients that, uh, so these are different salts and, and minerals that uh, plants need in order to, to survive, in order to have proper functioning systems. And uh, 
I'm certainly towards the uh, the latter end of that spectrum, where the more uh, micronutrients present in the soil, the healthier the plants are going to be. And of course, you have to have the right levels. So how do you guarantee that, right? Personally, for me, I believe it's, and a lot of uh, uh, soil scientists are beginning to believe that it's due to the bi- biological life uh, underneath the surface, and um, that's how you get the right balance. So, so yeah, you have this one spectrum where where um, you have the chemical makeup of your soil. What what minerals do you need, and and how do you make them available to plants? And then you also have the physical structure as well. So these are the particulate matter. So let's get into it. So texture. Texture of your soil is the granular size of soil. So you, your typical uh, references here are sand, silt, clay, and loam. Uh, sand is made up of larger particle sizes. You, Generally speaking, um, the characteristics of sandy soil are uh, you have relatively high permeability. So that means you have uh, relatively high air levels in your soil and also uh water can percolate through the soil pretty quickly uh, with sandy soil. Uh, Some of the benefits, uh, well, one particular benefit is these soils, sandy soils are well-drained, so they're less likely to become waterlogged. And when when your soil becomes waterlogged, you generally have anaerobic processes, and it's not generally good for soil health. Some of the risks of sandy soil are you have high nutrient loss. Because it drains so well, your nutrients, uh, they don't stay uh, aggregated in your soil as easily unless you have good soil health. Uh, Sandy soils are prone to erosion, so water can disrupt the structure of the soil and wash it away. And, of course, uh, because they drain well, you're also drought prone with sandy soils. So moving on up in size, you've got silt soils. Uh, Silt soils are medium particle sizes. Uh, Generally speaking, they're relatively permeable. And uh, some of the benefits of silt soil is you have, generally speaking, again, a higher nutrient availability in your soil because uh, it's part of those uh, larger particles and um, you have better aggregation of your soil, generally speaking, than sandy soil. Your silts are also... Uh, still considered, generally speaking, well-drained. So they they don't have a tendency to become waterlogged like uh, denser soils. Some of the risks of silt soil is you still are, are prone to high nutrient loss, uh, erosion prone, and just the inert silt soil is, can also have poor structure. So it doesn't hold together as well as, as some of the other soils. When you move down in particle size, you go to clay. And clay is very small particle size. It's relatively low permeability con- compared to the other soils. And there's, of course, with all these uh, types, there's a range. And so some of your very small particle size clays, and, and depending upon the mineral makeup as well, uh, they can be very dense. You can have very hard, compacted soils with clay. Um, and some of the benefits for clay soils is you do have increased mineral access for plants and microorganisms. And you also have, generally speaking, stronger structure to clays. Now, some of the, the risks, as you see, there's risks and advantages to all of these soil types. Uh, risks are prone to cracking and drought. Uh, so your, your soils can actually crack apart and break up. Uh, and they're relatively low permeability. They're prone to high compaction and they're also prone to water logging so when you have a lot of water uh, especially in recessed areas you can you can get waterlogged soils and stagnant areas so one other soil type i mentioned is loam and if you hear much about uh, especially in the the vegetable gardening world you might hear a lot about loam and and as being the ideal soil and generally speaking this is a a more preferred soil condition compared to others. And what loam is, is a mixture of various particle sizes. And this allows good aggregation. Uh, You do, generally speaking, have good drainage, but at the same time, you have those good aggregates of soil. So the soil is able to clump together as well. And these are both advantageous. And that's why this is considered more of an ideal condition than any one of the previous uh, textures of your soil. Some of the risks to loam is it's still prone to nutrient loss or leaching of, of minerals. And you notice I mentioned in all of these uh, types of soil that they can be prone to nutrient loss. And um, the, the one exception was, was uh, 
clay. I didn't uh, mention it for clay, but it's still a possibility, but because of its density, it's less possible. So with loam, you can't really create loam. It's just a, a presence in your, your base structure or any of these soils, really. This is what your soil does based on the 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 mineral deposits below your soil. So the your soil basically on a chemical and, and physical standpoint is generally speaking the the eroded parts of the subsurface below it. So your bedrock below it. What is it uh, made up of? If it's a you know a compacted uh, river silt that is uh, thousands or hundreds of thousands or, or millions of years old? Or is it, uh, is it dense uh, limestone? Or is it shale? Or, or so on and so forth. So depending upon the lower levels of your soil, usually that, that influences or even dictates what type of soil you have on the surface. So it's very tough to kind of amend these conditions unless you completely import new soil from somewhere else. And so instead, we want to figure out how to create healthy soil with the soil we have. Usually that's the easiest process, that's the least expensive, and it generally in, ends up being uh, the, uh, the best for your plants and, and also just less work in general. So that's the, the texture. Uh, the next often... Uh, uh, discussed characteristic is structure and just to touch upon structure real quickly uh, it relates to the shape and size of the clumps in your soil so how does it clump and this is still generally on the small scale so examples of structure is you might have very loose structure that uh, does not clump very well so it's uh, particulate or you might have a pillar type structure where where you have pillars of different materials stacked on top of each other or a plate structure where uh, it generally prevent it kind of compresses really easily and you you uh, you prevent water permeability with that type of structure and so your your soil structure is based on the physical characteristics as well um, and how it tends to aggregate together and um, and with that you um, influence how nutrients uh, pass through uh, including water pass through your soil or retain in it and that just affects your soil overall so these are good things to know um, they're not, that's all I'm going to touch on for now because it's kind of, you know, I don't want to get too academic here. I want to stay with the practical stuff. It's good to know this stuff just so you have a general idea of, uh, certain types of plants, especially when it comes to the texture. Um, the texture does influence the structure. And so, especially with the texture, uh, it's good to know what type of soil texture you have, which is the particle size of your soils. And so if you generally know, like I have clay or I have clay loam or I have sandy soil or sandy loam, or I have a silt clay mixture, those are good things to know because it influences, um, how, uh, water and nutrients interact with your soil, how, um, prone it may be to erosion or nutrient loss or compaction and what types of plants grow in those conditions. So that's why it's important. Okay, so when it comes to all of these conditions, I'm going to make some broad generalizations here. One, organic matter improves all of these soils. So if you improve your soil with organic matter, you get better soil. That's the bottom line here. Um, organic matter improves aggregation, so the clumping of your soil. Uh, the better aggregates you have, the more nutrients you keep in there, the more life you can support, and the more plants you can support. Uh, organic matter improves drainage when it's poor draining soil. It also improves moisture retention in, uh, in drought-prone soils. So it does both. And that's why it's great. This is organic matter is like the ultimate mediator. It plays the middleman in so many situations when it comes to your soil, um, and also improves nutrient availability. And what I mean by this is, and and when I'm talking about organic matter, here we're talking kind of about the physical structure. So carbon material is what organic matter is. So this is dead plant material, essentially speaking, um, and it really comes hand in hand with soil life. So I'm making a broad generalization here that organic matter kind of attracts soil life. And so they play hand in hand. And so when I'm talking about organic matter, this is basically, if you have organic matter there, you're going to have life there because both um, support each other. And, um, and they're both really important. So the last one is organic matter improves nutrient availability. And um, this is in part with the soil life present there. Basically what happens is 
organic matter acts as a sponge, right? It soaks up water, it releases water, it reduces compaction because it has these pore sizes in between it, and it also just allows nutrients to be held within the soil as well. That's very important for plant life. And it's kind of like a life matrix for your for your plants and it's full of life itself and and therefore it also supports plants that are attracted to that so let's get that's perfect segue into the biological aspects of your soil so when i'm referencing soil biology i'm specifically talking about the microbes to invertebrate level of your soil so there's a wide range of diversity here and and really we don't even begin to touch upon the the amount of diversity that's present in soil uh, with this podcast but um, but this kind of touches on the the vast array of different types of organisms that live in your soil and and without biology in your soil what you have is dirt and with dirt you end up having erosion and you basically decrease to the base layer so you turn to desert basically so without the life you you just have an inert substrate that um, inevitably erodes to nothing except for your your base minerals and so this has how important this stuff is it's how important it is in your own yard to take care of soil life because without soil life you don't have plant health that's the the reality uh essentially what you're going to have is think about like a on a rocky crag you know you have that gnarled tree kind of twisting its way through the rock and growing out of the the crevices of the rock and and you see how rugged that tree is well that's that's kind of a metaphor for your plants when they're when they're in a a soil that's highly compacted or highly uh deficient in nutrients uh, and soil life um you're in you end up having a stressed out uh plant that's kind of clinging on to life uh, and and trying to scrape by in any any way it can. And that's not what we want with our landscape, unless unless maybe that is what you want with your landscape, I guess. And uh, this probably isn't the right podcast for you because because basically then you're you're cultivating some gnarly uh, plant style. Maybe maybe that's cool, I guess the, the picturesque style or whatever, right? So uh, <laughs> if that's you, uh, let me know how it goes, and uh, maybe maybe you're onto something. But but for everybody else. So soil life is is crucial to the health of your plants. And so let's get into learning about what it is and then how to enhance it. So when you're talking about your microbes and invertebrates, let's break that down a little. So you have your bacteria is kind of the base level. So they're little single-celled, uh, very simple organisms, but they perform such crucial functions that, that we can't even uh, comprehend at some levels. Um, but very important uh, organisms, and even though they're so small, they they have some highly sophisticated processes. Um, and the reason I'm so excited about this stuff, guys, is I do, I have a background in microbiology of all things, and so of course I love this stuff. And uh, this is kind of where I nerd out. But um, uh, fortunately for you, uh, this stuff is really important, and so I have some knowledge and some background to share with you here that uh, hopefully can help you with your landscape. So bacteria, important. Next, fungi. Fungi. So your, your fungal species, uh, vast array of, of uh, diversity here as well. So um, you have both molds and yeast as part of the um, fungi, and, and they're both very important, especially your molds. Uh, usually, you know, microbes get a bad rap, and so do insects and invertebrates. But, but the reality is, there's predominantly a, a a huge amount of good and beneficial organisms in all these levels uh, that are very important for your plants. And we're just recently discovering this in the past, you know, couple decades of how important these things are for plants. And so the pests are actually the few and far between compared to the beneficial ones. And here's the secret, guys: if you support the beneficial uh, insects and microbes you reduce the amount of pests and pest problems you have so that's kind of an indicator that your soil health is struggling uh, when you have these problems these pest problems so it might be root molds or it might be um, fungal uh, problems on your plant leaves and that's an indication that you have a problem with your your uh beneficial biological health and same goes for insect problems it means you don't have the right amount of beneficial insects to take care of the problems so 
Uh, okay, off the soapbox, back to the instructional piece, right? The educational piece. So uh, fungal networks are incredibly important. So your fungi import are important. Uh, next, you have protozoa. So these are little little creatures. They're actually, if you if you want to like Google protozoa images, like some of these things are just fascinating the way they look, and and they're these little intricate um, uh, cellular structures that are just amazing to kind of take a look at and they're these little microscopic organisms and they do wonderful things for your soil again so you have of course good protozoa bad protozoa these are all of course classifications that we place on them but but when it comes to plant health uh and soil health you have good and bad uh, predominantly good again so what we want to support is the good stuff right uh and then we move on to invertebrates so these are your insects your arthropods so spiders and centipedes uh pill bugs and mites uh they're all uh, very good parts of nutrient cycling and your worms as well. So you have like little uh, microscopic nematodes and you have your earthworms. So a huge variety, vast array of, of life here we're talking about. And so as you can imagine with these uh, thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of species uh, that I'm just covering in those few sentences. Um, these are some broad generalizations that I'm going to cover here when it comes to soil life. But in general, all these things do benefit you, your overall soil health and your soil food web. So the soil food web, uh, just a little aside here, this is kind of a recent term uh, that's been coined by Dr. Elaine Ingham uh, out of Oregon. Um, she's done some wonderful stuff about uh, understanding the uh, soil food web and how it all works together and how it cycles nutrients and how crucial it is for plants. A lot of her stuff is um, is for agricultural purposes, of course, but um, but uh, this goes for your, your lawn as well. So having beneficial soil health for your lawn is going to greatly reduce uh, issues you have with your lawn. So um, I'll, I'll provide a link to some of her stuff in the show notes. Um, it's worth checking out as well as a link. Uh, I think I found a link to um, uh, an article she wrote for the USDA um, that's really interesting as well. A good, good summary of the soil food web. So worth checking out if this is kind of interesting to you. So um, what the point I want to make with all these different organisms I list off is that all of these levels are crucial crucial to maintaining good nutrient cycling. So um, nutrient cycling is basically the availability of nutrients, whether it's minerals or um, amino acids, um, basically the the backbone of the life structure of your plants. Um, all of these levels of organs, so your bacteria, your fungi, your protozoa, all of your invertebrates, they're all very helpful in cycling nutrients back to plants again. So dead plant material back to plants, as well as your mineral rock material uh, to plants as well. So they, they perform both of these functions, which is amazingly awesome when you think they can actually dissolve rock and make it available to plants. It's pretty awesome stuff. Okay. So let's just talk a little bit about some of these different organisms. Uh, specifically, what I'm going to cover here is just the fungi and bacteria. So the, the other organisms are also important, but I want to stress the fungi and bacteria piece, um, especially because it's, there's not as much known about these. It's, it's a newer thing, and so a lot of people haven't heard about it. So both fungi and bacteria of, are of primary importance to soil health. They have um, cell level associations with plants. So on the cellular level, they connect with plant cells and uh, provide communications to plants and more importantly, to nutrients to plants back and forth. So, so plants actually help support uh, uh, bacterial and fungal health and, and, and especially the you know, good bacteria and fungi. And in return, uh, bacteria and fungi, uh, fungi uh, produce nutrients uh, that the plants can take up and use as well. Sometimes just their wastes are beneficial to plants. Um, so especially at the root zone, this is where they interact most often. And uh, this is why, you know, we don't really know a whole lot about it because when we, it's relatively new because you look at a plant, you see the upper level, right? But uh, not the lower level, the iceberg, you know, same uh, analogy, you know, you see the tip of the iceberg, which is the plant, but the root zone is just, just as important, if not more important, because that's where the plant receives most of its nutrients from, and then it pulls it up from underneath the surface, and that's where the the top level machinery then kicks into gear, and and you know, uh, photosynthesis happens, right? Um, 
where you uh, turn you use sunlight to turn uh, CO2 into carbon that builds the backbone of the plant, right? They're both important, but the soil piece is uh, is often forgotten. Okay, so especially with fungi, what you have, uh, you, you know, I, I use fungi and fungi interchangeably. It's, I don't know, it's kind of fun for me. And I just, I haven't chosen which one I like better. So uh, <laughs> bear with me there. All right. So, so fungi, um, they, they can produce these massive cell networks. We're talking like uh, hundreds of square feet even of just the same like fungal organism that kind of builds these awesome networks that kind of reach out and find all these different nutrients uh, throughout the soil and, and kind of pull it back. And, and it's basically this giant transportation network of, of uh, nutrients and moisture um, back and forth throughout the fungal network. And it also intertwines with plant roots and so it can actually that's where i said it kind of actually can communicate with plants as well as transport nutrients to the plants as well and there's kind of a beneficial interaction between both the plants and some of these fungal species where uh, by doing this both the plant and the fungus uh, benefit Uh, this increases the plant root access so if you think about it, especially like in drought-prone areas or where you get a, like a flash rain, right, a tunnel rain, well, sometimes these, these fungal networks kind of sit there dormant and suddenly after a rain they like shoot out really fast and, and soak up a bunch of water and nutrients or, or, uh, or whatever and, and kind of deliver it to the plant and they kind of support each other then. And then the dormant phase, the plant can kind of store up this water and it kind of helps with the fungal network as well. So it's, it's this awesome kind of dance between the two to the two very, very different organisms to support each other. Now, bacteria are also very important. So these are the single-celled organisms uh, that um, the one uh, really key uh, benefit for certain bacteria I want to pull out is this is only certain species, but they have the vil- avail- ability <laughs> to fix nitrogen, uh, some of these species. And uh, especially with certain plants, they uh, form these associations. So it's, it's particularly particularly your um your fabaceae species um so that's a family of plants uh the common common ones you can think of are like peas and uh peanuts are are both in this family and um your rhizobia plants as well uh, uh do the similar things so a good example of nitrogen fixers is uh very common is your clovers right so clovers uh trifolium species they're nit- they have nitrogen fixing associations with soil bacteria and so uh, this, as you hear from you know NPK right the uh, typical fertilizers nitrogen is very important it, it helps build proteins uh in uh all life really but uh for the plants accessing nitrogen is very important so the so the bacteria can actually take nitrogen out of the air and and convert it into a bioavailable form for for themselves and for the plants as well so they have this root association where they create a space for the bacteria to grow on their roots these little little nodules and and the bacteria colonize them and they they fix nitrogen from the air so this is why you know air permeation through the soil is also really important which i'll touch on later but um, they fix nitrogen from the air and then it's available for uptake by the plant and there's a a, a, you know a beneficial interaction there as well so for both uh, bacteria and fungi another uh, a couple more uh, points to make here is uh, they dissolve minerals I mentioned it earlier, where they can secrete acids or various chemicals that actually dissolve the rock mineral substrate of your soil particulates, so your sand particles or your clay particles, and they can actually dissolve them and make them available for uptake by by um, microbes and by plants themselves. They provide nutrients, uh, so this is a wide, vast array of nutrients. Whether it's the the uh, minerals we talked about, or nitrogen, or uh, organic material through their uh, dead cells, um, uh, all sorts of various nutrients. Uh, there's a plant to microbe exchange, which I kind of touched on, but. Uh, Plants actually secrete proteins and carbohydrates and other materials that uh, attract bacteria and fungi to themselves to grow. So it's basically they're they're secreting uh, substrates. So your carbohydrates are like your flour and sugars, right? And um, 
So Elaine Ingham actually talks about uh, plants make cakes and cookies for for your microbes. So basically, that's what it is. It's it's protein and um, which is part of your you know flours and carbohydrates as well as part of your flour. And then you have sugar. You know the proteins are like your eggs as well. So it's basically this mixture that that makes up the same kind of stuff as like cakes and cookies. So it's like treats for bacteria and fungi to live off of, and in return they uh, provide all these nutrients back to the plant. And um, part of what this stuff does too is it actually helps form these aggregates in your your soil. So some of these secretions, both from from microbes as well as from the plants, uh, help form aggregates of your soil. So it prevents some of these nutrients being washed away when you have water percolating through your soil or air blowing across the surface. Um, it helps keep the stuff locked in the soil and uh, trapped there for use by plants and microbes. So. You can understand maybe why I'm so fascinated about this stuff. It's because it's this this delicate but fascinating dance between all these different levels of life to actually create more life out of something that's just a physical substrate. So super cool stuff. Uh, <laughs> I guess here, a couple more things to touch on that I jotted down here. Um, uh, organic matter, especially the life in your soil when it or interacts with all this organic matter it actually normalizes your ph it creates an optimal growing condition for your plants um, an optimal condition for bacteria and, and fungi and, and all your other invertebrates as well um, so it takes your highly basic or your highly acidic soils and kind of brings them back just to a little bit below neutral so a slightly acidic condition which is preferred by most um, organisms mo- most plants and uh, and microbes as well and uh, last, of course, with this giant massive network of health, you also get uh, disease defense. So they kind of help support each other. They're all healthy. They're all happy. And um, they, they're more resistant to z- disease. And it's also kind of, it's tougher for disease organisms to take hold and replicate because these, these available spaces are already occupied by all these, these healthy and beneficial organisms. So it's basically like there's like a, a no room at the end sign kind of hanging out next to the plant roots saying, look, you know, we're sorry, uh, you can't invade here because it's already taken. And there's also defenses put up for them as well. So when it comes to uh, all this stuff, all this biological life, right, um, very important, as you can tell, but there's some simple but very important requirements for this this biological life to occur in your soil in the way that it's healthy for plants. So the first, this isn't in any order, but the first is air. So air is important actually for soil as well as um, your plants above the ground. But for it, it's important for there to be air interaction because aerobic organisms are um, are healthier in general for your plants than anaerobic organisms because anaerobic soils are more the disease condition of uh, uh, um, a lot of pathogens uh, kind of hang out in aerobics or anaerobic soils. So anaerobic is without oxygen is what it means. Aerobic means with oxygen. So the more aerobic soil you have, the more oxygen you have in your soil uh, to create a healthy life. And it also helps with uh, a lot of other stuff too, but that's that's enough for now. Uh, Water. Water is of course important as well. So we know water is important for plants, right? Um, Well, it's also important for the microbes. And of course, healthy balance of both these things is really important. Healthy balance of air, healthy balance of water, and uh, carbon. Carbon is also important. So the more carbon you have present in your soil, the more carbon you have present to help support um, all this life that we're talking about. So it's, um, and that's why all these all those higher level organisms are really good at cycling carbon back into the soil. So your, your invertebrates, your worms, they're, you know, they're chewing up dead plant material, recycling it back into your soil to make it available, more available to fungal access and bacterial access and back to the plants again. So it's, it's this uh, beautiful cycle that happens. Okay. So now you love soil just as much as me you know all about it uh enough to start googling for hours and hours and hours to learn more about it of course um and you want to have healthy soil in your yard right that's what it comes down to right you understand okay healthy soil equals healthy plants i want healthy plants because that equals less work and i want less work right okay that's you so how do you do it right okay 
how to build and maintain good soil. So when it comes to building and maintaining good soil, if you haven't already understood this, organic matter buildup is really important. So the more organic matter you have present in your soil, anchored into your soil, the more available it is to nutrient or to microorganisms, which makes those nutrients available to plants, right? It's all that, that beautiful cycle. So organic matter is important. Keeping your soil covered is really important because the more exposed it is to elements, the less able it is to stay buffered with temperature, with um, with air evaporation, uh, with sun UV exposure, all those things can uh, degrade your soil. So if you think about a healthy forest, right, the soil floor in a healthy forest is is just teeming with life. It's this beautiful spongy uh, stuff. It smells wonderful. That's what we're going for here. Healthy soil uh, is something like that, or even out in the prairie, right? And healthy prairie, if you dig down under the, all this dense grass mat, that's what you get is this beautiful uh, spongy soil, right? So, so if it, if that soil is exposed to the elements the whole top layer of that soil is going to start um, suffering. It's going to not be able to hold all those, those nutrients present there for the plants. And so we got to make sure we keep it covered. Uh, it's full of plant roots, actually. So good soil, um, the more plant coverage you have, the healthier soil, because the plants really help with anchoring soil in place, um, especially your fibrous root plants, where they kind of Pull everything together and keep it there. And it also occupies the space to help prevent weeds from coming in, which are have the same intent, but they're not your desired intent with beauty. So, um, so either fill it with your own plant roots that you want, or it's going to be filled by something else, or the soil is going to start becoming degraded. Enhancing your soil life, of course, maintains and builds good soil. And doing by building your soil life, um, there are, are actually biological amendments like compost tea, uh, mycorrhizal fungi um, that you can purchase to put in your soil or, or um, some of these uh, rhizobial inocula, which are the bacteria that interact with certain, uh, certain nitrogen-fixing plants. You can actually buy soil life to put in your soil, but you can also just, uh, if you provide a good home for it, Odds are it's actually already there in your soil. It's just not growing and healthy. So by providing the substrates, namely organic matter that's accessible, uh, you actually enhance your soil life as well. Um, so preventing waterlogging is another important thing to maintain good soil. So when your your soil becomes waterlogged, what that means is it's becoming absent of oxygen. And so it's drowning. And when your soil starts to drown, it becomes anaerobic, and that's when a lot of your pathogens come in and you have you start to have problems. Your plants actually need, uh, most plants need uh, uh, air access in their roots as well. It's kind of something you wouldn't think about, but when plants become submerged in water, of course, there are plants that grow in anaerobic soils, but we're talking most of the plants you have that you want in your landscape do not prefer uh, anaerobic soils and they do not prefer uh, what they call wet feet or to be waterlogged. So they don't, the roots don't like to be submerged, generally speaking. Um, next, okay, uh, prevent the use of chemicals. So some of you might be asking, okay, why is that important? right? Why, what, what does that have to do with my soil life? Well, there's a couple things. Um, it actually does reduce your soil life and this is a broad generalization, but most chemicals, um, they're the synthetic chemicals. They're usually harsh chemicals that, that, um, have negative effects on your soil life, specifically your fungi and your bacteria and your soil. Um, so even though they might have a targeted uh, effect on say certain plants or whatever, they generally speaking have a negative effect on your, your microbial life in your soil. And uh, another thing they do is a lot of times these chemicals have salts added to them, especially your synthetic fertilizers. Uh, they're, the way the nutrients are delivered is through uh, the presence of salts. And these salts, the salt buildup in your soil is negative to uh, plant health. Um, there are a lot of species that are salt tol tolerant, that grow in brackish areas, brackish uh, like uh, seawater areas. Um, but uh, in general, most plants do not like having a high level of salt. So the higher amounts of salt, uh, the negative it is, more negative it is to your plants. And also the more negative it is to negative, did I say that right? I, I'm not going to rewind and check. So the more negative uh, it is to your microbes in your soil as well. So uh, by using these chemicals, especially repeatedly, uh, you're adding salts to your soil. 
Um, so in general, I ro- recommend focusing on gentler approaches when it comes to making uh, nutrient amendments or dealing with disease and pest problems. Avoiding compaction is also really important when it comes to building and maintaining good soil. So this is where uh, if you focus walking onto uh, specific areas that are with plants that maybe can uh, handle compaction in compacted soils or um, focusing uh, walking onto uh, hard paths. And this really prevents soil compaction uh, broadly across your landscape. Now you say, okay, I want to, you know, I want to be able to play on my lawn. I wanted to you know, have my kids be able to run around, whatever. Well, that's fine, actually. Um, it's it's where there's heavily concentrated and repeated use. You want to avoid compaction because you're going to deal with uh, some difficult plant growth issues. So if there's specific areas um, where you have a lot of traffic, you might want to consider putting in some footpaths or, or something like that. Um, you also want to reduce, when it comes to compaction, you want to reduce uh, heavy equipment use. And this might even be just driving your vehicles across your, your lawn all the time, your yard. Um, the more often you do that, the more you, com- you compact your soil and the more issues you're going to have with maintaining good soil health. Uh, and last, mulching helps with this too. So if you have areas uh, that might receive some traffic but aren't planted, uh, you can mulch them, mulch them heavily, and it kind of acts as this buffer for your for your area okay uh there are two more pieces here for building uh good soil so one is uh reducing general disturbance and so by general disturbance anything that kind of disrupts your soil layers so your soil is going to start naturally striding out into various uh layers of life and uh Uh, air availability and nutrient levels and mineral levels and uh, life levels right and so uh, the more you disturb this um, the the less healthy your soil is going to be so the first thing is repeated tilling of your soil can can reduce the health of your soil in the long run Um, so you might get a a, with tilling you kind of get an initial burst of life sometimes as like uh, you actually have a lot of bacteria that uh, down at lower levels that don't survive on the surface or whatever potentially and vice versa and so you get a lot of death of microorganisms and that actually provides a, a, a great boost of growth to your plants in the short term uh, as they kind of take up all this dead material right they can soak up some of it as uh, it's being decomposed by other organisms but at the same time over the long run you're reducing your soil health uh, by reducing the available life in your soil. And you're also, generally speaking with tilling, you as you break up the upper layers, you're compacting the lower layers. So you're making it tougher and tougher for life to thrive. Um, you also want to you buffer your heavy traffic, again, uh, as stated previously. And uh, another um, thought I had here is pet urine. So if you have pets that run around your uh, specifically dogs that most people have problems with here, if you have problems with pet urine spots, that's because basically what's happening is is uh, the urine is is burning the soil layer, the top soil, and so it actually burns the plants, but it also is salting out your soil in that specific area. So what you can do is actually, if you um, provide a safe area for your pet um, to use uh, that's high in carbon material, so this is high in leaf litter and wood mulch and uh, what it does is it provides a balance of availability of nitrogen and carbon uh, that's present in the the high carbon material, and it's a healthier level for your soil life. So that's something to consider if you want to have a pet waste area that is better for your overall uh, landscape. Uh, one last thing here I want to talk about with good soil, uh, very important, so not like the least important here, but uh, erosion prevention is very important. So uh, especially on slopes. So the more well-planted, the more um, well-covered your soil is um, with mulches and with plants and a good plant root um, distribution throughout your soil, the less erosion you're going to have. So it's especially important to consider on slopes because uh, slopes are very erosion prone. Uh, Anytime that the raindrop can actually hit the soil surface or anytime that water can concentrate into one area and flow across, uh, it's very prone to erosion, especially if you have uh, lesser density soils that can break away quickly. So important thing to consider when when we're talking about soil health um, and uh, definitely don't miss out on that one. 
Okay, so that essentially wraps it up for today, guys. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, just as a quick review here, uh, we, when it comes to making good soil, the simple principles are having good organic matter, uh, supporting microbial life, having good moisture and good air um, in your soil is all very important. Um, soil is made up of uh, various physical and biological um, components. Uh, so you have your granular size, your texture of your soil, uh, as well as the ability to clump the structure of your soil. And uh, in general, organic matter improves soil health because it um, helps with some of the uh, clumping and uh, drainage issues of your, uh, your inert soils, your chemical soils, your physical soils, and it also provides a substrate for life. And so when it comes to life, you have a huge, vast array of diversity. You have microbes, you have invertebrates um, that all function together with plants to provide healthy soil, uh, provide nutrient availability, um, and to provide uh, general health to your plants. And for maintaining and building good soil, you want to have good organic matter, you want to keep it covered, you want to have uh, good plant root distribution, you want to enhance your soil life. You want to prevent water logging, prevent use of chemicals, avoid compaction, uh, reduce general disturbance, and uh, prevent erosion. And so with that, guys, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this. I, obviously, I love this stuff, and uh, I think it's really cool. We could talk for probably hours and hours on this topic, and um, not not today, but uh, maybe in the future uh, we can go in more depth in certain areas maybe. But if you kind of get these basics right, if you work toward these basics, I guarantee you're going to improve your soil. And with improving your soil, you're going to improve your yard, uh, and, and it's going to be end up being less work for you in the long run. So if you can maintain good health, once you get it going to a certain extent, the plants basically start to take care of themselves with very little inputs here and there. So that's the ideal situation. That's what we want to work towards, and and that's how you know we this ties into saving time in your yard so that you can spend more time on important things in your life. And so with that, guys... Uh, if you want to save time right now in your yard, I have a great resource that I've put together for free over at Aesthetic Ecosystems, and it's how to save 20 hours, 20, <laughs> 27 hours of yard work uh, just through simple habit changes in your yard this season. So if you want to check that out, go to aestheticecosystems.com slash 27 hours. And if you want to go deeper on anything, um, I have consulting services I have available right now. So if you need specific help on something, go over to aestheticecosystems.com slash consulting. You'll see the options there for, for connecting with me. And we'll do some digital consultation to talk about your specific needs and uh, you know work through it together. So uh, with that, guys... Thanks for coming by and uh, check out the show notes. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Okay, now it's time to talk about the launch party, guys. Uh, excuse me, not party, but party. Uh, the launch party is for the first two months of the show from March 11th through May 11th, 2018. I want to have some fun uh, to help spread a word, spread the word about the show. Uh, I really appreciate your enthusiasm and interest in this show, and I want to get you guys involved and have some fun while we're doing it. So this is a chance to have some fun, to uh, for us to get connected, uh, to win some prizes, and uh, let's talk about the prizes before we talk about what we're doing. So what are the prizes? Weekly, I'm offering a free consultation with me, Ben Hale, which is normally a $99 value. So uh, one person each week uh, that gets involved in the launch parte uh, gets a free consultation. I'm also giving away a free offer for one of my eBooks, 10 Ways to Get More Beauty with Less Work, which is a $19 value. Uh, next, the grand prize. There is only one of these we're giving away through this whole launch party. So at the end of the launch parte, the Organic Lawn Care Manual by Paul Tukey. So Paul Tukey himself has offered to give away one free book to a lucky winner uh, that's getting involved in this launch party. Uh, and this book is all about how to manage a healthy lawn from anything from a golf course style lawn to your uh, low maintenance lawn, which of course is something I prefer here on this show, right? I own this book. I've read this book multiple times. I've given it away. It's a kind of a, a tattered and worn version that I have. Um, and uh, I, I, I use some of these practices in my own lawn. So I, I love this book and I highly um, promote it as well. And you'll hear me talk about it throughout the show. Uh, but Paul Tukey has been kind enough to offer a copy of his book as a grand prize. And there's also a special surprise for everybody that's uh, 
going to be getting involved in the launch party. The Rolling River Nursery out of California has offered a a special surprise for everybody that's involved. The Rolling River Nursery is a a USDA certified organic nursery. So I went online and I looked around for nurseries that have online availability shipped through the continental U.S. and have some great offerings. And Rolling River Nursery has been kind enough to become involved with our launch party. And they're not only are they online availability, but they also are certified organic, which means they don't use any harmful herbicides or pesticides that you have to be concerned with your family about. And so what you're getting is a safe and healthy plant. They also offer a ton of edible plants and trees and shrubs, cacti and succulents. So um, they offer several trees and shrubs that are adaptable throughout the most of the United States. So definitely worth checking them out. And in addition, these guys are also involved with a, uh, a nonprofit in Southern California to help local food movements called plantingjustice.org. So if you want to learn more about them, uh, you can go to rollingrivernursery.com. And I also want to give a shout out to uh, Paul Tukey's website, uh, for his organic lawn care manual and his other works is paultukey.com, P-A-U-L-T-U-K-E-Y. And uh, to sum up, guys, okay, you want to learn how to get involved with this uh, launch party? Go over to aestheticecosystems.com slash pod launch. And that's P-O-D-L-A-U-N-C-H. There's a link in the show notes. Um, and that's that's going to give you all the instructions on how to get involved. Uh, there's two ways specifically to get involved. One is through uh, sharing with your uh, peeps on Facebook. And the other is through leaving a review on iTunes. Both of these are going to help spread the word about the show and get other people, other friends listening to it as well. And I sure appreciate your help here. And and likewise, uh, this is going to be a fun time. So, uh, so go on over and to Aesthetic ecosystems.com slash pod launch to get involved. Oh, and one, one more thing guys too. Uh, you know, I'm open to, uh, if you want to have a question featured on the show, I've now set up on my, um, podcast page. If you go over to aestheticecosystems.com slash pod, you'll see a button there. You can click to, uh, ask a question to get featured on the show in the, in the future. So if you're having problems with something or if you're curious about something, or maybe it's just a comment, right? For whatever reason, if you want to get involved, I'd love to hear from you, and uh, I'll work on getting you featured on the show here. So uh, go over to aestheticecosystems.com slash pod and click on the button there to uh, leave leave me some feedback. And uh, with that, guys, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today.